on uh, getting on our final message on taking on the darkness, not only having a right attitude, but having a right response to the darkness of this world. We may look like just, you know, normal Joe Soaps walking down the street, but we ought to have a, a, a way of life that we live that is like we're in a military, in a spiritual military, we're ready to take on any kind of uh, attack by the devil. So go to Romans, if you will. Romans chapter 8. It says Colossians there. I forgot to change that. Romans chapter 8 in verse 35. Romans chapter 8 in verse 35. Stand with me. We will be reading these scriptures here together, starting in verse 35 down to verse 39. Romans 8, 35 to 39. <clears throat> Romans 8, verse 35, down to verse 39, the end of the chapter. Starting in verse 35, begin. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that good? Father, thank you for amazing promises. But they're not just promises. They are weapons. They are the armor of God. That that we, uh, they're a realization that we can press on. And the devil doesn't have to win. Matter of fact, we already have won. We are more than conquerors. Lord, the battles that we fight here are not, are not for salvation. They're not for getting, getting to heaven. They are for just getting through this life. As, as a bright light, we are called to um, uh, to live a different way, and it will cost us sometimes dearly. All they that live godly shall suffer persecution, but it's okay because we are more than conquerors. Help us to not believe the lies of the devil against us when we get discouraged. Help us to live in the victory. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> All right. Jesus Christ gave every believer what they needed to be a conqueror, even more than a conqueror. Now, yes, you need some proper training. When you got saved, you didn't, you did not know how to pray. You didn't know how to wrestle against spiritual wickedness. You didn't know how to, uh, um, uh, to do much of anything. So there's a bit of training you need to go through. And you need to realize there are weapons that you have to pick up. The Bible says, take unto you the whole armor of God. That means it's just like putting on clothes. You gotta go to the closet. And you gotta take the clothes out. You gotta choose which one you need. If it's gonna rain, if it's gonna be cold, you put on extra layers. If it's gonna be hot, you put on shorts or you put on a t-shirt or whatever. And when you're going into battle, you need to know which weapons to be wearing. As a matter of fact, I just encourage wear all of them. Okay? So, uh, I'm trying to give you a definite plan of attack. I'm trying to give you some things that the Bible clearly tells us about how to attack the darkness in our culture and even in our homes. Now, I started off and I, I told you what a Christian was. Anybody remember what the first thing that a Christian is? What's the first thing? Forgiven. See, what uh, a, a Christian is Christ in you. That's, that's the thing, okay? It's not what I've done. It's not how I've earned anything. A Christian, the only difference between me and the next guy is I am forgiven. That's it person hasn't received that gift yet. Secondly, what was the second thing that we can say a, a Christian is? A follower, a follower of the life and the teachings of Jesus Christ. You're, that means you go a different direction. You do things differently. But what else? What's the third thing that we learned this morning that a Christian is, whether they realize it or not? A fighter. A Christian is a conqueror. At least we're supposed to be. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians are defeated. They live in, in, in defeat, they live in discouragement, they live as a loser, and that's not how a Christian should be. Um, so, 
I talked also this morning about our enemy. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5 and remind ourselves of just how uh, uh, voracious, how dangerous this uh, enemy is. 1 Peter 5 and verse 8 says this. We are commanded to be sober, be well aware. You imagine if you were on safari and uh, you're in South Africa somewhere on safari and you think, oh, this is great. You're in a bus somewhere and you feel all that safe and the bus breaks down. And the bus driver says, everybody off the bus. I got to get everybody off the bus and because uh, I got to change the tire or whatever. So everybody's off the bus. And then you go for a walk and all of a sudden you, found your, you find yourself and you hear roars of lions and they're encircling you. Guess what you'd be? Sober. You'd be wondering in terror, wondering where is this animal going to be coming from? Well, that's how we need to be with our, our our spiritual awareness. He says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. When you, when you, as a Christian, the, the more you read your Bible, the more you need to be terrified of the fact that he is very good at destroying lives. He destroys Christian lives. Uh, I gave you the example a couple of weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago, of that pastor who committed suicide. He was a pastor of a mega church and all this. And you think these guys are untouchable. And there, somehow, something got to him and, and he committed suicide. You say, why would a Christian do that? I can't answer why they do it. I just know who's behind it. Satan loves to devour Christians. And you say, well, I, I, I would never do that. You may not do that, but you'll do something else as Satan tears you to shreds. He not only is a destroyer of lies, he is a puppeteer behind people. We read that in Ephesians 6.12. We won't go there. It says, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but we're wrestling against spiritual powers behind the people. So our enemy is at work through the people in our lives. And sometimes we want to get upset at the people in our lives when it's not them, it's the spirit behind them. Third thing I said about our enemy is he's the only enemy you have to worry about. You don't need to worry about your boss. You don't need to worry about your doctor. You don't need to worry about your banker. You don't need to worry about your lawyer. You don't need to worry about the problems and the bills. You need to worry about what's Satan doing and what's he planning for your life. And you need to realize he plans to ruin you. So next time the temptation just shows itself, realize that's the devil. And he aims to ruin my life. And can he do it? He can ruin any marriage. He can ruin any Christian. So you got to be aware of that. Okay, so let's pick up. We said, uh, uh, I told you this morning, I started off and I said, you know, there are some things that a Christian needs to prepare for with a biblical battle plan. How to, how to defeat the darkness, okay? That you can't just go through life and ignore what's going on in, 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 the, in the spiritual world. Now this morning I told you how to hit the enemy where it hurts and I just said, real simple, what was the first thing? Somebody, somebody tell me, what was the first thing I said? If you got nothing else, you better get this, Mistina. Get very close. Get embarrassingly close to the Lord. People ought to think you're a little weird that you love Jesus that much because that frustrates the devil. What did Satan... We've learned from Job, Satan could not pry Job away from his closeness to God, but he did pry... Job's closeness with somebody else. Who was it? His wife, whoever said that. He was able to come between the two of them and cause division there. His ultimate goal is to get you to where you give up on God and you get angry at God and you turn your back on God. You've got to determine, I'm going to stay. When you determine, like Job, the Lord is given, the Lord is taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. You're going to just stay close to the Lord. So, stay very close to God. And that makes you a warrior in this spiritual world. What was the second thing, if anybody remembers? Repent. When you look at your life, you're going to see that there are things that you do that you should not be doing, things that you're comfortable with, things that you're comfortable with saying, things you're comfortable with watching, and it is very important for a Christian to be used to repenting. Be quick to repent. Third, what can you claim, Miss Dina? What's the third thing you can claim? The blood of Jesus Christ. Now that goes over most people's heads. They don't realize the power that's in the blood. I know the power that's in the name of Christ, 
but there is a power that can purge my conscience from fear, can purge my conscience from worry, can purge my conscience from from uh, 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 all the, the memories and the hurts. It can purge my conscience. Fourthly, yes, ma'am. Pray through the darkness. If you ever you ever woke up, you cannot speed up. I pray. I've woken up in the middle of the night, and I wish I couldn't go back to sleep. And I wish the sun would rise early. <laughs> and you just wish. Can we just get this night? And the night just takes its time going through. And sometimes the valley you're running through just doesn't finish. So pray through it. Pray, and usually, can I say, usually, if God wakes you up at 3 a.m. in the morning, it's not because of you. Because God wants to lay somebody on your heart for you to pray for. They could be, uh, I, I don't know why. I have no idea. I'm not going to even conjecture that God woke me up. But I woke up at 3 o'clock this morning. I couldn't go back to sleep till 5. And I prayed for all you guys. I wonder if God woke me up to think of and pray for Buddy Blanco. I don't know. You have no idea. Why God sometimes just wakes you up and makes night go long. It may be because he wants you to pray, let better pray. So pray through the darkness. Don't give up. And you say, I've been praying for so-and-so, and they're not getting right. They're not getting saved. They're not coming back to church. They're not coming home. <coughs> what does Luke chapter 18 says? Stay at it. Wear God out is the illustration. Make it so he says, all right already, I'm going to bring them home. <laughs> Pray through the darkness. What was the last thing I said this morning? Replace all that darkness with bright things. Like gospel, clean, wonderful, worshiping gospel music. Uh, just praising God. You ought to, around your house, you ought to praise God that you have a sink. You ought to praise God you have a... I mean, you ought to go over to light switch and go, Woohoo, this is great. <laughs> you, ought to, you ought to look at your kids and go, Thank God. Praise God for the gift of my home. The joy of the Lord is your... So don't sell short joy. Power of joy. Does the devil have any joy? He has no joy. So if you keep that joy and you keep that attitude of just being thankful for little things, praising God and thanking God. I showed you that this morning. The head of the army were the priests. And you know what they were doing? They were singing and praising God. And when they were in the temple, it says... The glory of the Lord filled the house. And if it filled the house, the priest couldn't even get in there. And if the priest couldn't get in there, I got news for you, neither could the devil. So if you want to fill your home with light and with victory, praise God. Praise God. All right, so let's get in tonight. Part two of how to hit the devil where it hurts. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Let's go to the left there from Peter. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 22, First Thessalonians 5, 22. Bill, I'll have you read that very loud, please. First Thessalonians 5, 22. Just stop there. Just one verse. Abstain from all appearance of evil. So the first thing that's important in our continuity, actually number six, but the next thing you gotta do if you're gonna fight the spiritual fight is you're gonna have to abstain, you're gonna have to pull away from even the appearance of evil. Uh, what, what a Christian needs to get used to is saying no to the devil and no to the flesh and no to the world when the world says, hey, let's go do this, when your friends uh, ask you to do something, what is, what is Proverbs chapter 1, 2, 3 says, consent thou not. When sinners entice thee, say no is what the Bible says. You know, a lot of Christians know what, that what they're doing is probably not right. But I find this generation doesn't have the backbone to say, you know, I'm not gonna do it. Everybody else is doing this thing, I'm not gonna join them. I mean, when Harry Potter came out, and all of those books started being published, Every Christian I knew picked up those books. I mean, they were 800 pages long. And 15-year-olds were reading them in a week. And those 15-year-old Christians had never read their Bible through in their lifetime. And they probably never will. But because everybody else was reading them, I tell you what, my kids wanted to watch um, Homer Simpson. Do you know I've only watched Homer Simpson one program one time. I've never watched another one. 
I bet most everybody in this room has watched more than one, but the point is this, and I'm not finding fault with you, I'm just going to say this. I watched it once and I went, I'm never watching it again, and I haven't. Is there anything that you decide I'm not going to do that you won't do? It's a shame that there are Christians who can't say no. The Bible says if you're going to get into this battle, you're going to have to stop going to their side. Let me ask you this. Why would any Christian bring any darkness into your home and into your mind? Most people living Christians, most Christians believe Halloween is a okay thing to participate in. Most Christians that I meet believe Harry Potter is just a bit of fun. They watch dark horror movies. They go to haunted houses. And to them, it's just all a bit of fun. But what does the Bible say? Abstain from what? It doesn't say abstain from evil. What does it say? From the appearance of evil. Do you know what the new Bibles say? (laughs) The new modern Bibles say abstain from every form of evil. Boy, that's sneaky. Well, you know, Pastor, a Harry Potter book, that's not evil. They they come to their Bible and say, well, it says that I have to stay away from evil. No, my Bible says stay away from something that appears evil. If it appears evil. Staying from things that even look evil. I should have known that growing up. All of my records had demons on them and had had uh, death all over them. It was dark. I won't even co- I won't even comment on the, the the titles of the of the albums and on the songs. I should have known. You know that's evil. Well, I kind of knew it, but I thought it was. Hey, this is fun. We actually learned that there was backward masking in the record, so we actually would sit there and we would play our record backward to hear if there was any subliminal messages. We were looking for evil. That was before I got saved. But the Bible says, abstain from things that even look evil. Uh, go to Colossians chapter 1. We're in Thessalonians. Go to the left, find Colossians chapter 1. And Miss Dina, would you read verses 12 to 14? Bless you. Colossians 1, 12 to 14. Amen. All right, so we've been delivered from the power of what? Okay, now this is a terrible illustration, but Miss Dina, let's pretend that you've been in prison. <laughs> and in prison, they the power was with the state, and the power was with that warden, and they put you away in a jail cell, locked the key, and walked away, and you were in there 23 hours out of the day, and for one hour you're let out, and you go in the courtyard, and you're put back in that cell. Would well, that be a wonderful way to live? And then somebody comes in and says, paid off your de- debt to society, you're a free woman. And as a free woman, would you ever want to go back there? Would you build your house like a prison? No. Would you hire a prison warden to be in charge of your house? No. You're delivered from it. And why do Christians bring that darkness into their lives when you've been delivered from it, you've been freed from it? Abstain. The the first thing that I'm saying is if we're going to have the victory over the darkness of this world, we're going to have to separate ourselves from it where we abstain from it, where we abhor it, where we reject it, and say, you know, there's some things I am not going to do. I don't care if other Christians are drinking. I don't care if other Christians go to the disco. I don't care if other Christians do anything else. There are things that I won't do. Uh, Ephesians 5. Go to left, find Ephesians chapter 5, Miss Hannah. Ephesians 5 and verse 11. <clears throat> What does the word fellowship imply? What does that mean? Have no fellowship. What would that mean? Okay, people or doing things on the internet or anything that would make you comfortable 
with the unfruitful works of darkness have no fellowship. You may have to work with unsaved people, but they shouldn't be saying, hey, come on for a drink. That's having fellowship with unfruitful. There's no fruit in going for a drink after work, is there? Not at all. Okay, so there is there is a need for Christians to have a have something else. We are we are called the saints of light. There's a need for Christians to say, "There's a line I will not cross, and I don't cross it." That's why we have light the night instead of Halloween. Amen. I went when when I got saved. I was invited. Now I was already in a church, but I was invited by another church to go to a haunted house in the church. They converted their, they had a big, what they call a fellowship hall. It was a, it was a, it was a gymnasium. They converted that thing into one of the most terrifying rooms. I think I, and I, I knew, uh, ways of making people afraid because we, we, as teenagers, we learned how to do it. But when we went into there, this church had a haunted house in their church building. That's wrong. The Bible says, have no fellowship with that kind of unfruitful work, but rather, what should we do? Reprove them and say, no, that's wrong. Somebody says, Christians shouldn't judge. You better believe you should judge. There are limits to what a Christian should play with. Amen? That's why we have light the night. That's why we have load. Somebody, I get, mm, I get people say, Pastor, we have too much going on. I'd rather have too much than too little. Because we need some things going on so that Christians have something to do instead of going down and having fellowship. Uh, having, uh, you guys, all these teenagers, I don't know what teenagers do when they go to the Debs. I don't want to know. Uh, I'd rather have something to get Christians so they can abstain from all of that worldly stuff, from the drinking, from the discos, from the pub life. Folks, there's some things that we refuse to do. You know what that's going to mean? We're going to be peculiar. We're going to be out. Other churches may have whatever they do and they don't mind drinking. Whatever they want to do, that's their business with God. I'm going to say this. i got to abstain. If I want to have the victory over darkness in my home, in my kids, in my head, in my heart, in our nation, Christians need to be different. Would you agree? Wasn't it years ago that history marked and said Christians... We're different than the world. The world was into slavery, and Christians said, free them. Christians, it was, it was the Christians, it was Wilberforce in England who said, we've got to stop this thing. And, and Christians have to live differently and point out evil. Second thing we need to do, fasting. Go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. <clears throat> Remember I said this morning there's some causes to why Christians are spiritually weak? One of them was they're too concerned about the discomfort and the loss that Christian warfare demands. And fasting is super uncomfortable. Uh, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 14, I'm going to read it all because it's a bit long. 7, 14 to 21 says this. Am I in the right place? 17, I said Matthew said 17. Matthew 17 in verse 14. Matthew 17, 14. <clears throat> when they, the disciples, were come to the multitude, these were Peter, James, and John, they were coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration and there came unto Jesus a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic. That's an actual Bible word. And he's sore vexed. Oftentimes, oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. He's trying to kill himself. Verse 16. And I brought him to thy disciples and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil. And he departed out of him right then and there. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. Verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, 
and it shall be, it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Uh, one last verse, verse 21. How be it? This kind of demon, this kind of problem, goeth not out, but by prayer and, what's the last word? I got, I got a, I got a scary word for you. That last verse is missing in almost all the new Bibles. It stops in verse 20 and then picks up in verse 22. Isn't that sneaky? I wonder why the devil got rid of that verse. Because fasting has power. Um, as a Christian soldier, when you find yourself under attack or when someone you love is under spiritual attack, without a second thought, try and go 24 hours without eating. Some of you ladies go, oh, I can work on my figure. Well, that's up to you. But go 24 hours without food. Go 24 hours without the TV and pray against the burdens and against the bondage and against Satan's grip in that person's life. Maybe go three days. And instead of eating, when it's time that you should be eating, take that time and pray. Pray for, pray. You say, well, how long do I pray? I don't know. Pray as long as you normally eat. And pray for one big need. That's how you fast. You need, you don't need to have 400 things to pray for. If you're going to fast, fast about one thing and pray and fast and say, Lord, I'm going to pray for the next day for that person to be free. I'm going to pray so I, so my heart and my spirit is lifted. I'm going to pray so that this constant doubt or this constant defeat is finally lifted. And I'm going to pray against that darkness. Every time you feel hungry, turn that hunger into victory where you say, I'm going to fast, I'm not going to eat, but I'm going to pray in victory. How does this work? It works because you're focusing all your attention on the source of your answer. Most of us are so comfortable with our stomach, we're so comfortable with our life, that we really don't need God. We pray, but we go, here, Lord, you take care of this, and then we go on with our life. If you're hungry, if you're fasting, it makes you dependent and saying, God, I need you. My stomach is craving and, and starving, but my focus is on you. Secondly, it works because you're learning to deny your flesh control over you. How many of you, when you get hungry, you just get up and you go get something to eat? Amen. Even when mom's fixing food, you still just go and you get food, don't you? But when your stomach is telling you, let's eat, and you say, no, all of a sudden, something marvelous happened. You've been able to deny your flesh. You've been able to say, no, I am going to not listen to my stomach. I'm going to be listening to the Holy Spirit of God. There is power in fasting because your flesh has to step back and your spirit now is in, is in use and is in charge. And you're actually proving to the devil that you will serve God even though it costs you a little bit of discomfort. Third thing, third weapon that we have here is confidence. And I'm going to say this, just stop being embarrassed about being different. Go to Romans chapter 10 and verse 11. Romans 10, 11. Rodell, if you will read that verse. Romans 10, verse 11. Wait, 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 wait. I'm not there. Slow down. <laughs> You're fast. Okay. Now. Well, that's a good thing. If you're a believer, should you ever be ashamed of being a believer? No. As Christians, the life of Jesus Christ should shine out of your life, should be part of your words, should be part of your attitude, should be in your lifestyle. Even though you may be out of step with the rest of the world, people ought to go, that's a Christian. There goes that Christian. Usually when they say the word Christian, they'll say it not with respect. You know where the word Christian came from, don't you? It came from a time up in Antioch when people were so on fire for God that all the unsaved said, there are those Christians, those people like Christ. And they took that name, and we take that name today as a badge of honor. But it's a derogatory term. The best thing anybody could ever call you, Nathan, is a Christian. And they'll probably spit when they say it. And I'm saying that a Christian needs to stop being embarrassed about living right. First Peter chapter two. Go to the right. Go to first Peter chapter two. Let's see, Darren, if you wouldn't mind reading that. First Peter chapter two, verse nine. 
right after Hebrews, James, 1 Peter 2, 9. Okay, I've been called out of darkness. I've been put in to light. And what should I do now, according to that verse? Is that privately or publicly? Yes, sir. I should not be ashamed of being a Christian. God pulled me out of that darkness, and now he says, shine. Don't be embarrassed of being different. Don't be embarrassed of being a Christian. When I, I found out early in my Christian life that even though now when I first got saved, my hair was long. Uh, I did. My, I still wore the same stupid bell-bottom pants. I still had big belt buckle. I um, I still looked and sounded and smelled like Craig Ledbetter. But there was there. My friends said, "What happened to you?" It was evident. It was a pleasure to me to notice. Oh, I'm glad, and I got to give my testimony, and so on and so forth. But can you imagine a Christian getting saved and then at work them saying, what happened to you? Oh, nothing, nothing at all, nothing at all. I'm, 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 and they say, you want to go for a drink? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And you don't live differently. You know why people like Christians don't? Because they're embarrassed. So let me ask you, if you were a soccer player, would you be ashamed of it? Maybe of a team, but not of being a player, Amen. If you were a car mechanic, should you be ashamed of being a car mechanic? No. If you belong to Jesus and are a member of his family, should you ever be ashamed of being a Christian? No. And you should never be ashamed of doing the right thing. I believe with all my heart, people should be ashamed of doing the wrong thing. Does that make sense? Let me just stay with my, because I have a lot. You should not be ashamed of the fact that you're going to wait for marriage until you have sex. Amen. You should not be ashamed that, well, you know, I'm I'm 29 and a half years old and I've never been with a woman. I'm waiting for the right one. Everybody, <laughs> amen. You should never be ashamed that you, I, I wish that we had a generation that never picked up a drink. Wouldn't it be nice that there would be Christian children growing up in this church who never once in their life do they ever pick up a drink, even though all their friends start drinking at 14, or that they ever uh, uh, start smoking, or they ever start using drugs. You know, and I remember my dad finding out that I tithed. He wanted, he wanted to go over, because I was, I was going through some hard time financially, uh, going to Bible college. My dad said, sit down, let's look at your, your budget and your, your uh, finances. Started going over thing, and I kind of waited till the very end where I said, and I tithe. <laughs> he went, you what? Why would you throw 10% of your money into a church, he said. And I felt embarrassed. And I didn't know what to answer. I said, well, I thought it was the right thing to do. <laughs> and it was the right thing to do. And it still is, amen? Don't ever be ashamed or embarrassed of doing the right thing. Have confidence as a Christian. Go out of your way to just be a blessing to people, especially the people who don't deserve it. Just like Jesus. No matter how much you stick out or how unique you may be, Matthew 5 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Consistency. Ephesians 6. Let's see. Heidi? Ruth. All right. <laughs> Ephesians 6 in verse 13. I start in verse 11. If you'll read 11, 12, 13, Ephesians 6, the idea is to hold your ground. Don't keep changing. Ephesians 6, 13. We 
Okay, so in the end of the day, when I get pressure against me, what does those, what do those verses tell me my highest goal is? I want to go forward, but if I don't go forward, at least one thing is true about my life. I'm putting on the whole armor of God for one purpose, so that I stay where I am and I don't go backwards. Stand, withstand, stand against the wiles of the devil, the schemes, the plans, the work of the devil. So consistency. Would you agree the world is changing at light speed? And so are Christians. There are Christians who are, their music is constantly evolving. They call it contemporary Christian music. And it doesn't sound Christian at all. But oh, every Christian's listening to it. There's a group out in, in uh, Australia called Hillsong. And they're going more and more loopy, and it's wicked, folks. Let me tell you, don't evolve your music standards. Stop allowing yourself to do now what everybody else is doing. Stop changing. Uh, churches right now, do you know what's missing in 99% of all the churches in Ireland? That book right there. They got rid of them. Now, I use PowerPoint, and when we do our choruses and some of our songs, we put it up there. But we sing from the hymnal, and we love hymns, we learn about hymns, because that's theology. Just just as rich as our Bible, it's founded from the Bible, and we're not going to change. I've had too many people say, why don't you get rid of the hymns? I ain't changing, that's why. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, woe unto them, or maybe Proverbs, woe unto them that are given to change. They just, I want to change. I want to have a new this. I want to try that. That's not to say that there aren't new hymns and there aren't new songs and spiritual songs that are fine. But you know what? I'm sticking with the hymns. I got saved, listened to some of the most marvelous hymns, and I still sing them. 39 years. I've never gotten over them. Ladies, let me tell you, stay modest in how you dress. Stay modest. Stop changing with the with the uh, uh, with the fads, Christians need to stay out of sync with the world. Gentlemen, please stay manly. I'm seeing every guy today. Don't go to America because it's it's depraved over there. Every guy, Christians are covered with tattoos. Everybody's got these ear holes as big as a five p five cent piece. It is awesome. It's awful. It is overwhelming to know that these guys are supposedly Christian and they just, they've got piercings, they've got tattoos, and they're changing. Stay manly. Don't join the modern trend to get rid of your King James Bible. Uh, there's a guy right now making up, turning up a storm, and he's going, we've got to move on, we've got to move on. Fundamentalism's got to move on from the King James Bible. No, we don't. Quit changing, constantly changing, just because you want to change. I'll show you something. Go to Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13 and verse 9. Now, Heidi. Hebrews 13, 9. And listen to these words. Hmm. Okay, so there were people who were being carried about, which means they were they were following strange doctrines, new doctrines. And he actually compares it, he says, there's grace, which is easy to digest, and meat, which you have to chew on. You don't know, you know, you know when I was a kid, I remember, I still remember my first steak that my dad fixed off the barbecue. Set it down in front of me, he cut it up into small bits, and I remember chewing it for about 10 minutes. I didn't know how, I don't know how old I was, but I still remember that. I thought it was the most awful thing I ever had in my life because I couldn't chew it. And when you're just, when you're young in the Lord and you're trying to chew on doctrinal meat, it's hard 
to, to, to just chew. And the Bible says, your hardness must be established with grace and not with meats. And he goes on and he says, because the meats don't profit them that have been occupied or addicted with them. When your faith, but quit going after constant new doctrines. I am ashamed that Christians spend more time talking about some obscure or weird idea that they've learned about, and they spread it around to other Christians, and those people who are so addicted to new things have never won a soul in their life. You don't win souls talking about the flat earth. You don't win souls talking about Calvinism. You know what you talk about? Jesus Christ. Amen. It is so grieving. Stay consistent. What got you saved? You know what it was? The fear of God. You know what it was? The love of God. It was holiness versus sinfulness. It was the grace. Make sure you stay that way. Second Corinthians chapter 11 says, I fear if any, by, that lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he come, that cometh preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, if ye receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with it. Ye might go along with him. Last thing. So you wonder, uh, Jane, do you remember church 20 years ago? Yeah. Okay, we're in a different place. Okay, I've grown a little older, lost some hair. Change the hair color. Um, are we different? That much different than 20 years ago? No. And that's on purpose. All right. I'm not the same just to be boring. But I set some things and I set them in motion and I just want to stay. And if you want to go and wear all the new, there's a thousand churches out there, a thousand groups to be a part of. But the thing that defeats the devil, everybody that goes through these new things Fall out. I've watched pastors when they change the King James Bible and they go to the New King James, or they go to the ESV, or they go to the CEV, or they go to any other thing. They change their Bible, they change their music, and their church is filled with unsaved people. And I don't want to do that. It's already hard enough. Last point. Second Timothy chapter two. Second Timothy chapter two. Oh, Dr. Christopher. Second Timothy chapter two, verse four. All right. So entangle. What does that describe? What does entangleth mean? Okay. And knots or what? Give me, give me a description of somebody entangled in the affairs of this life. Okay. Stay free from that. There is, there is a, a concerted effort of the devil to get Christians caught up in so many different things that they never stay on the one thing that they should be doing. Go to Acts chapter 19. And if you're constantly pulled down and pulled back and pulled away from church, and from whether it be sports or whether it be politics or whatever, you need to burn the bridges back to that type of life. Acts chapter 19 and verse 17. Acts 19 and verse 17. This was known, now, uh, I'll give you the background of this in a minute. These were, there were Christians, including Paul, that was, uh, preaching and soul winning in Ephesus. And, uh, and a demon possessed man, uh, kicks, and, uh, uh, kicks out seven men who were trying to be exorcists and, uh, beats them to a pulp. In verse, uh, 17, it says, and this was known to all the Jews and Greeks that uh, also dwelling in Ephesus, and great and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. He was honored. And many that believed came, and they confessed, and they showed their deeds. What were their deeds? Look at verse 19. Many of them also, which used curious arts, that's magic, brought their books together and they burned them before all men and they counted the price of them and found them, found it 50,000 pieces of silver. And the guess is that uh, the, the books were somewhere around 125 to 150,000 euros worth of books. And here's the point. This demon-possessed man almost kills seven sons of Sceva. 
The town gets scared of the power of Satan in their community. The Christians preach about Jesus Christ and righteousness and forgiveness, and then people start repenting, and they they themselves say, this is demonic, I don't want this in my home, and they brought their magic books, their soothsaying books, their necromancy books, that's where you try to you learn how to talk to the dead. They brought their spell books, they brought their Harry Potter books, their astrology books, their self-help books, their inner light books. They brought those, and what'd they do to them? Oh, they could have sold them at the boot sale, right? Made a lot of money. Giving it to church. Can you imagine having a Christian boot sale of all your self-help books? Can you imagine helping somebody out? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Read these books. I'm not reading them anymore. <laughs> no, what was the thing that they did of their own free will? They burned them. They burned them. Why did they burn them? So that neither they nor anyone else could use them to open the doors for Satan to come back into their lives. They said, I'm not going to keep that book in my house, so I keep picking it up, so I keep going back to that old life. What books do you own that are dark? You know, I can give you some of them. Some people have romance books, romance novels, horror novels, Harry Potter books, astrology books, self-help books. Uh, you don't need a self-help book, folks. You need a biblical, you need a Bible book, and a book that just teaches you from the Bible. What music are you holding on to that keeps you back under a pressure, demonic attack. I didn't realize it. I was saved about two years when I sat under a, a preacher who had done the study of all the background behind the, the, the rock music of the day. And he laid it out three hours preaching and teaching about rock music. And after that, after that three hours of hearing it in a, in a teen setting, there's about 300 teens there. And half of them were laughing, but some of us were taking it very seriously. When I got home, I went and I pulled out my collection of Beatles records that I had bought and saved because I knew one day they'd be worth a fortune. And I took them out and I started to break them. And I put them into a bin in the back. It was a metal bin. Now, some of them were funny. Some of them, you'd, they were they were indestructible. They were 78s. And you'd, and they would not break. So I had to just burn them. And I took all of my collection, oh my goodness, all of those records, all of the cassette tapes, everything that I had collected and purchased, I don't know, by the time I was 20 years, uh, not sorry, 20 years old, how old was I? I was like 18 or 19 at that point. Somewhere around there, I had well over $1,000 worth of music in my day. It was a lot. What music? And I, I knew that if I kept that in my house, in my life, I would keep listening to it. I'd keep tolerating it. I'd keep going back there. And the Bible is encouraging us to burn the bridges back to that old life. What friends do you hang around with that keep getting you to honor, uh, dishonor God and dishonor your body? What apps are on your phone that keep drawing you away from God and living godly? Do you know kids have secret apps that they can download on their phone their parents don't know about unless they have a secret uh, keystroke? Parents need to find out what are those secret keystrokes and find out if those apps are on those phones. Smartphones are demon-possessed phones. What apps do you have? Do you have unfiltered access to the Internet? Anything like that? You know what you need to do? You need to dump it. You need to burn it. You need to make it so that there's no way. It ought to be very hard for you to go back into sin. Amen? That's why it is wise to be in church instead of sitting watching television, surfing all the channels. You know why? Because you'll find something. Most marriages fail because of one thing that people keep doing that takes them back to the old life, complaining. You know why I've seen most missionaries leave the field? Complaining. You know what they think? Oh, it's better back home. Oh, it's better when... Don't do that. You ought to burn the bridge. Missionaries of day gone by... When a missionary went to a foreign field, you know what they did? They packed up their stuff in barrels, and it took them a month, if not three months, to get to the mission field. It was impossible for them to go home. And that was a good thing. That was a good thing. So when you set out to do something for God, burn the bridge so that you can't go backwards. Get rid of it. It's a serious... When we start talking about dark things, we can't just keep that around. We have to actually... Put it behind us. Abstain from the appearance of evil. Start fasting. Stop being embarrassed about being different, about being a Christian. I kind of wear it as a badge of honor when somebody says, did you see such and such movie? Or do you know this movie star? I do not. 
Thank God. Consistency. Hold your ground and burn back to the old life. As I said this morning, the results of active spiritual warfare are Satan will flee. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God, and you'll be able to resist the devil, and he will flee. I said to you also that you will win. When you start doing things the right way, now let me say what's very important. Did you notice they didn't burn somebody else's books? That's censorship. This does not mean that we go down to the library and we burn their books. Whose books should I burn? My books. I make it hard for me to go into sin. And folks, if I start not worrying about anybody else, if I start worrying about the darkness in me, and you start worrying about the darkness in you, you'll win. People that you spiritually fight for will be made free. You know, you start praying for somebody to be free from Satan's grip, it might just work out that they all of a sudden get saved because they're free to choose. Because the devil keeps them blinded until somebody says, I'm going to pray against you, devil, until you pull back and you let them get saved. Amen. And your life will burst forth with light instead of darkness. Instead of always being a loser, you'll be light. And my prayer is that this nation might be spared. Why, why, why be in Ireland? Because God wants to save this nation. God wants to turn this nation back to himself. And so every church ought to be a burning and a bright shining light like John the Baptist was. But it only works if you're born again. As I said this morning, it won't do you any good for you to try anything spiritual if you're not saved. If you are saved, I'll tell you this, we're already winners. Let's stand. Let's bow in prayer. Father, I know what it's like to hear a message like this. It just makes us uncomfortable. It's because it's calling us out of darkness and calling us to think different, fight different, to stand different. And it's uncomfortable, Lord, because we're, 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 we're too used to the darkness. And if we go against it, the devil's not going to let go easily. So right now I pray against that darkness. I ask that every Christian in this room searches their heart and says, Lord, if you want me to get rid of something, if you want me to consider how quickly I am embarrassed of being a Christian or embarrassed of the name of Christ, help me to repent. Some people find it easy to be a Christian, and I'm very glad for that. But some don't. Some find it still very troublesome when they are just pulled back into temptation, into sin. Pull back into darkness. God, I pray that we want to be free. You, you are the very power that makes us free. I pray that we desire to stay free and that the devil has no grip on us. Make us very slippery to the devil that he can't get a hold on us because we're trying to do things the right way. In Jesus' name, amen.